Well, good morning, everybody. Feels a little bit like a magic show today. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm changed into nice clothes. <laughs> but welcome this morning. This is what I, I like to call, and my, my colleagues in the youth ministry world like to call National Youth Pastor Sunday, because it's the Sunday where the senior pastor takes holy, the week after Holy Week off, hands the keys to the senior pa- or to the <laughs> to the youth pastor, and uh, prays he doesn't dig himself too deep a hole. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's actually my joy to be here with you this morning and to deliver this message today during our confirmation service and for our students. And we kick off today our sermon series, The Elephant in the Church. This series stems from asking you all in the congregation what is going on in your lives and what you would like to hear about. We bring scripture and we try to seek the wisdom of God about some of the things that we deal with in our lives and what God might have to say about them. Now, Pastor Ricky collects all of those topics and he pulls out all the softballs for himself. And then he stands us all in front of the 90 mile an hour fastballs to take them. (laughs) No, I'm just playing around. Today we do uh, have the privilege though of talking about self-esteem and the next generation. And so oftentimes it portrays itself as body image issues or bullying or a lack of self-worth. And all of those things are important to God and so they should be important to us as well. And before we jump into that, let's pause right now for a word of prayer. Gracious God, we uh, give you thanks. It is good to be in your house with your people. And may this message today reflect your redeeming love. Amen. Well, self-esteem issues are not anything new. They have always been in the air. All of us deal with it in some way, shape, or form. It's not something that has just come into existence recently, but it is something that feels like every single year and every single generation, it grows a little bit more to be highlighted in our society. And so students experience bullying about their appearance, their weight, personality, clothes. Uh, Adults find themselves avoiding certain activities because of a memory they have as a child that they haven't healed in themselves. And to this day, just like Pastor Ricky shared a few sermon series ago, I struggle with eye contact with people because of acne that I struggled with as a, as a teen and the treatments that I had to go through for that. So we all have these moments in our lives that we can point to. And uh, for some of us, yes, self-esteem is not as big of an issue as for others. Uh, but I just want to zoom out for a second and look at some, some statistics about the next generation and what's going on because it really is something to pay attention to. And so these numbers are all pre-pandemic, but nearly 20% of teens experience depression before they reach adulthood. And of that 20%, only 30% actually receive any treatment for it. That's a tough statistic in itself, but 75% of girls who experience low self-esteem admit to engaging in self-destructive or self-harming behaviors. Suicide is the third, le- third leading cause of death among 15 to 25-year-olds. 38% of teenage boys admit to using, well, report using protein supplements, and 6% admitted to steroid use for physical appearance purposes. Teenagers. And a study out of the UK took, took, took to updating some of these numbers and, and found that in the middle of lockdowns and post-pandemic, now here on the other side, that one in 16s will experience a mental illness. 
That's up from one in nine in 2017. So if it feels like more and more kids are experiencing it, it's because it is true. One in seven girls report being unhappy with their looks by the end of middle school, and girls and boys together reported that the transition to high school was one of the biggest knocks to their self-esteem. A high social media use is correlated heavily with a low well-being score, this study found. And I think that if we ran that same study across all demographics, we would see the same is true. And so these numbers can make us cringe, they can stir us to sadness, but hopefully they can also guide this sermon today because we can be upset that we focus on numbers like this, we can be overwhelmed by what to do when we face statistics like that, Uh, but if we don't take this on as part of our responsibility to help the next generation entrusted to us, what these statistics have shown, even the ones this morning, is that they just grow more and more dim. And so it is, our, it is important to take this as our responsibility, that the ones who are entrusted to us, that we care for in our families and in our circles and in our church community, they matter to God, and so these statistics matter to God, and the things that are affecting them matter to God too. And so there's two aspects today that I want to focus on. First, let's just take some time and remind ourselves, each and every one of us, what God says is true about us. And then let's ground our way forward in the words of the Apostle Paul about what he says, living life as a believer, as a person of faith, on the other side, what the commitment to Christ looks like in these instances. And so if you have your Bibles, please open them with me to the very early pages of the book of Genesis. If not, it'll be on the screen, no worries, but we need to situate ourselves in the correct place because in the grand story of creation, the writer of Genesis slips in an important truth about humans, but we oftentimes miss it. And so jump with me to Genesis 1, 26 through 31. We're going to move around a little bit in the passage. But just to set this up, we have the creation account. God starts creating the world. And each day he focuses on one form of creation. So days 1 through 5, he uh, ends those by saying, the writer ends them by saying, and God looked on what he had created, and he saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth day. (laughs) And then day six, God creates animals. And then the writer takes a turn and starts talking a little bit differently. And so scripture says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then in verse 31, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So just so we're all on the same page, there's a few things that are true about each and every one of us. Something that's been given to uh, all humans from the beginning of creation, regardless of how we respond to God later in life. This is true from God in his creative moments. God took the utmost care to create each and every one of us in his image. We all reflect a piece of God in some way, shape, or form. And right after God creates humans, he makes it clear that we're not just good like the rest of creation, but that we're very good. Some uh, scholars would say that very good is like a completion to God's creative process in that moment. 
And in the ancient Near East, there are no GPSs. Maps aren't so readily updated uh, as kings and kingdoms take each other over. And so people struggled sometimes with wondering whose territory they were moving into. And so one of the things that they would do, kings would go to the outermost boundaries of their uh, kingdom, and they would commission somebody to to create a statue of them. And so they would place these on the corners of all of their uh, territories. And so everybody who was moving in and through the area knew exactly who was in charge and who the king was of that place. If you're familiar with the story of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar puts up this huge uh, statue of himself that everybody bows down to, same idea. And so the language of the writer of Genesis is really important because what he is saying is that we are made to reflect the image of the king who is in control. We are made to reflect the God who has created this world and that something about each and every one of us is best equipped to show others who God is. But oftentimes that's not the things we focus on, right? Typically it's my hair's too curly and I wish it was more straight. Or the opposite if you have straight hair. (laughs) My nose, I wish it was a bit different shape. My roommate, this is a true story, every time he calls me, he equates my skinny legs to asparagus. (laughs) And I do not like that. (laughs) My voice is not pretty, it's too deep or too high. My friends are so much smarter than I am. But listen to me, without you, we actually don't get a clear picture of not only who you are, but of who God is. You reflect a key element of God. And if you don't let your light shine before others, we will miss a glimpse of God as well. And so as I hear you and I see you, but when we're reminded of the things we don't like about ourselves, might I suggest we turn our attention to the important role that God has given us here on this earth of reflecting himself to those around us. In those moments, as hard and as, and as weak as we feel, we have to remind ourselves that of who we were created to be, of what our purpose is. We have to be willing to look in the mirror and say, it is good to be you. And it is good because we are made to reflect the image of God. And so that's the truth that's true about all of us from Scripture. And now as we've seen that truth in each of us, let's ground our way forward through the words of the Apostle Paul uh, as he talks about what it means to follow Christ. And here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. He says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. He continues in verse 12 to say, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with the body of Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the same one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And so as we move forward, as we, each of us, image bearers of Christ, members of a body of, church, of the church, each of us with the different gifts, talents, abilities, appearances, we now have new guidance by Christ that we are to live at harmony with one another. 
and in that harmony, being thankful for the differences that each and every one of us possess. Recognizing that we can't be the best church community without each and every person and all the gifts that they bring to this body. The way laid out by Christ is one that is best lived out by uh, taking time to look around and name the gifts we see in each other. We all know that, but it is far easier in our communities, in our circles, dare I even say in our churches, to look across the aisle and find a flaw with the person sitting there than it is for us to name a gift that God has given them. We're so quick to judge at times. And here's what Paul says in verse 20 as he continues. As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. He ends it by saying, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And so friends, this morning, may I just lovingly say, We can't bring those statistics down that we mentioned at the beginning of this if we don't reframe our mind. Find the value in the person who lives in our home, goes to our church, attends the school we attend, and speak love into their lives. We can't help help kids love themselves better if we don't love ourselves better and practice that in front of them, as difficult as that might be at times. We can't teach young men and young women to speak highly of others until we stop pointing out the flaws in the people that we come in contact with and who cross our paths. The next generation of students and children need to see us live authentically into who God has created us to be. They're not getting it through TikTok. I think that that's pretty clear. (laughs) They're not getting it through their peers. They're not getting it through popularity. They're not getting it through politics. They have to see it in you. We have to embody this. We have to be transformed by Christ in a way that makes this possible. That is, amen. That's how we take and change these numbers. And so my prayer today is that you're just encouraged to continue the tough, necessary work of dealing with our own self-esteem issues and still recognizing who God has created us to be and who God calls the church to be. And it's because if we can do that, I think we can at least affect our community, if not the world. And today we have the privilege of uh, helping 12 students to join this faith community. And some of you have been here long enough that you probably took an oath for some of these, uh, ch- these kids as children when they were baptized as, a, as an infant, that you would help them, that you would help this church grow so that they could learn to make this decision that they're making today. And may heaven and earth rejoice that we add 12 of them today, but also, may that just be true of us as a community in general? Can we take that oath that everybody who walks through these doors, we will take the responsibility of caring for them, of helping them to see who God is, of transforming our lives and helping others to be transformed by Christ as well? Because that really, truly is what the Christian life is all about. Amen. And so I would like to invite Pastor Ricky and the students and their families to come forward as we continue this confirmation process. And uh, as they do so, would you join me in prayer? God, thank you for the ways in which your word guides us to look more and more like your son. We give you thanks today for the role that you've given us as image bearers of you. 
and may we let our light shine before all. Amen.